Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Continue to give God praise. Continue Amen. to give Him praise in this place. Because He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. The Spirit of the living God is here. The Spirit of the living God is in our midst this morning. We worship you, God. We feel your power, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the center of all that we do, we worship you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe that as we have sung and declared and felt your presence here this morning, God, that you desire to speak to us, God, that your voice will come into our minds and our hearts and we will hear what you have to say today, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Would you please remain standing in an attitude of worship as we hear the word of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hey, at this time, we're going to dismiss our children to Sprouts and Seedlings. Sprouts is for ages kindergarten to first grade, and Seedlings is from second grade to sixth grade. And while they go, I'm going to ask you to stand back up and greet someone this morning. Welcome them in the name of the Lord, if you are able this morning, as we bless our children on the way to their ministry. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So um, again, I just wanted to say, in, in case anyone came in late, I just wanted to thank um, our, our students, our young people that have been playing the strings for us. We have Jose and Khalees and Sarah and Neja and Dylan with us this morning and Tyreek as well. So, We're going to have a little thank you cake for them after the service. I want to welcome any of their families that are here. Thank you for coming this morning. Appreciate you guys being here. I want to say a special welcome to all of our visitors. Everyone who's visiting with us, it's good to see you. Those who haven't been in a while, it's good to see you again. And we extend you a warm welcome in the name of the Lord. And if you would take an opportunity and fill out a Connect card, that's our visitor cards. They're scattered on the seats around you. We'd appreciate that. If you bring it to the table after service, you'll get a gift. And I know you want that gift, what I call Hartford City Church swag. So if any of you guys haven't gotten it yet, make sure you get it uh, today. You can also use that card to share a prayer request or any updates on your information. 
Uh, we keep in touch through email and text. So if you want to know what's going on in the church or if we have to do things like uh, cancel the pastor's pool party yesterday because it rained. I was very sad. I was hoping we could all be there. Uh, but we're going to go a week from Sunday, a week from today in the afternoon at my house. And again, if you just need to stay updated on that kind of thing, fill out a connect card with either your phone number for a text or your email for an email, and we'll make sure that everybody gets to stay in touch with all of those things going on, and we really appreciate uh, you doing that so that we can stay connected with you. Again, share your prayer requests with us if there's any need or a praise report. We'd love to hear that, and you can put that uh, in our jars for offering as you leave, but if you're new, you want to take it to the welcome table so you can get a gift uh, from Pastor Rosalie. So um, we have a special guest from Florida. Pastor Angel's dad is here, so we want to welcome him this morning in the name of the Lord. And I think he must have showed up because I guess it's Angel's birthday today, so I guess we have to. Now you notice right away he's one of those people that says, oh, don't say anything. You notice how he embraced that right away, right? You notice how he was all about that. He's the one that, yes, tell them at the restaurant I have a birthday. I want to sit on the saddle. I want the hat. I want the free cake, right? He wants everything. So I know he's going to celebrate today, and it's going to be an awesome day. But we thank God for you, Pastor Angel. We thank God for your life and for the message you brought last week. So I also wanted to invite you guys this afternoon, we, we are here at Hartford City Church, we gather to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, as our mission says, but we also want to bless the city of Hartford. And our neighborhood is having a special community event today, the Berry Square Community Day. It's at the Webster Theater, which is just down the road, like two blocks down the road. Washington turns into Webster in the parking lot, there's going to be all kinds of things for the community. Our youth ministry is going to be there doing some face painting, and if you would go with me this afternoon, even if you can just stay for a little bit, we're going to take fly about the church. We're going to greet people if there's an opportunity to pray for people. But it's an opportunity for us to connect with the community and what they're doing and to be a blessing. We bless by our presence, by being there. We bless by our words, by what we say when we can encourage people. We bless by praying there. You never know who you might get a chance to pray with, right? Because those opportunities happen as we're open to the Lord. And then there's going to be all kinds of uh, resources there for families, things that they can connect with. And we just want to be a part of that today. If you are at all able, if I'm able to give you the pastor card, please come and come for part of it at least or some of it. It's from 12 to 4 this afternoon, and we really want to be an important part of the community and, and just be a presence, a presence of blessing, right? Amen? Amen. You guys with me on that? You with me on the mission of Hartford City Church? All right, that's good. That's good to know. Um, speaking of our youth ministry, um, our youth group meets every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock here in the Learning Corridor. They have a special room upstairs. Pastor Angel and Kaisla and Mary are part of the youth team. And uh, we just encourage anyone ages 12 to 24 to come out and help out. You know, it's a great opportunity for kids to grow in their faith, to get to know each other, to get to know other Christians, right? Because sometimes you go to school and it's like, well, I'm the only one that believes in God or that I'm the only Christian. You can encourage each other through that. They got a retreat coming up. The YX movement is getting ready to kick off another year. You guys are wearing t-shirts? Man, how come we ain't got no, oh, we didn't get no t-shirts yet. The youth group's already got t-shirts, man. Look at that. HC Youth. I like that. That's sharp, man. That's sharp. We're going to have to get, we're going to have to get some t-shirts made for us too, right? Amen. Amen. No, nobody, no old people want a t-shirt, man. I want a t-shirt, man. Come on, we can do it. And when I say old people, I mean me, you know. No, no offense to you young bucks back there. I see you. I know you guys are younger at heart than I'll ever be, but praise the Lord for that. Amen. So um, I think that's it for the announcements, unless I'm forgetting something, which is possible. Uh, but would you again join me? I just want to pray and just center our hearts before the Lord as he gets ready to speak to us this morning. Lord God, I just want to take a moment and just center myself before you, God, and just acknowledge your presence, not only in this place, but in my heart and in my life, God. And I pray, Lord God, that the words that you've given me to share, I would just be able to speak what's on your heart for us to hear this morning, Lord God that we might hear your voice, and uh, God, that we might know that you are real, that you are alive and well today, Lord God. So we give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about a story that Jennifer read for us just a little bit earlier, the story of when Jesus was a boy about 12 years old. Uh, but before we begin, I'm just going to double check my slideshow back there. Let me try it again. Here we go. It keeps trying to come on, and then it just does something else. And... All right. If you don't mind, Bible, if you could just bring it up, you could click through it, and I could, I could tell you when to click, and we'd, we'd be all good doing it that way, too. All right. Amen. Amen. 
So we're going to talk about something that's one of a kind today, right? And you guys know that phrase, one of a kind, right? And what's funny about this phrase to me is that when you find something that's one of a kind, isn't everything really one of a kind? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, is there really something that's exactly like everything else? I mean, as much as we try to make things the same, right, we know that there are differences, and sometimes there are more differences, right? And so when we're trying to describe something, it's difficult because we're always trying to compare it to something else, right? So if you have this food that's like one of a kind, and you're trying to describe the flavor, what do you do? You go to other foods. Well, it tastes like chicken. You know, I don't know how things taste like chicken. You know, it always tastes like something else. You're trying to describe it by making a connection point, but nothing is really the same. Isn't everything kind of one of the kind? It's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? You ever had a once-in-a-lifetime experience? Well, of course you had because you, every experience is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? There's nothing that's exactly like it. If you think about, oh, once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, is maybe giving birth to a child, right? Well, maybe you'll give birth to another child, but it'll be different, right? The experience is never going to be the same, and you'll think, oh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, but sometimes everything is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, so how do you begin to describe that? What, what really separates it is, is everything so unique. But when we're so unique, then we feel like we can't relate, right? So we're constantly looking for ways, you know, to, to, to relate things. We, we try to connect things, right? Even though we're all unique, even us, right? Every single one of you is unique. Every single one of you is one of a kind. And some of you say amen, and uh, people next to you say Amen. One of a kind, you know what I'm saying? One of a kind. There's only one of you. There's only one of you. There's no one else like you, right? But we try to compare you and describe you, right? We say, oh, he got his eyes from his mother, or she got her attitude from her father. You know, we try to compare. We try to make connections in order to understand and to describe something that is so unique, that is one of a kind. Well, today I want to talk to you about the most unique, the most one of a kind, Jesus Christ. And when you get up to that level, it's even harder to describe. It's harder to describe because he's so unique. I mean, he's so different. He's so one of a kind. But today I want to describe Jesus Christ and who he is. And I believe the story we read gives us an example so that we can understand today the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Okay, are you with me? Are you with me? Amen? You don't have to say amen in this church, although that's welcome. You can nod your head. You know, you can do any kind of thing. You can raise a little finger. It's not an auction. Don't worry. You don't have to buy nothing. All right? But I just want to know that you're with me sometimes and that we understand this, right? Jesus is one of a kind. Jesus is one of a kind. And by the end of today, I want you to know how unique Jesus is and why you should build your life upon him. That's my goal. That's where I'm headed today, that you would know how unique Jesus Christ is and therefore why you should build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. First of all, we as Christians, we are very unique among the religions and beliefs that exist in the world today. And one of the first things that we believe is that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. That Jesus is not just one or the other, not just mostly one and a little bit of the other, but that somehow, even though we can't quite make sense of it because there's nothing to compare it to, remember Jesus is unprecedented and unparalleled. I mean, there's nothing really that we can use to describe this, but we want to talk about it because it's what's unique about Jesus. It's one of the foundations of our faith that Jesus was fully God and Jesus was fully human in every way this morning. So let's begin with the first, that Jesus is God. How is that distinctive? Because that's one of the things that separates followers of Christ from almost every other belief on the face of the earth. For you see, Muslims don't believe that Jesus was God because there's only one God, Allah. How could God be in a human form? It doesn't make sense to them. So they say Jesus was not a God. He was just a man. And of course, the Jews believe that. Do they? That's why they didn't believe Jesus' message, because they said, no, you're just a man. You can't possibly be God. And, and people who follow the Mormon religion today, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they believe that Jesus was just a man who became a God so that we could also somehow become gods. But, but that's not what we believe about Jesus. We believe not only is he fully God, but he's the only God. Even though that's a little hard to believe, again, because we worship God in three persons, the Father, the Son, which is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, but we believe that those three are so unified that they form one God, and there are no other gods. Amen. There are no other gods. So to say that Jesus is God is to say that he's only God, and the Jehovah's Witnesses also believe that Jesus was just a man. They deny the divinity of God. When you deny the divinity of Jesus Christ, I mean, then you are, you are strained from what we believe, what makes us unique as Christians, that we believe that Jesus is fully God. 
Of course, agnostics, people who don't know what to believe, probably think Jesus lived and he was just a good man. Atheists don't believe he's God because they don't believe in any God. Hindus and Buddhists, millions of them around the world, they, if they deal with Jesus at all, they think that Jesus is one of those prophets or teachers that, that helps us access the divinity that exists in the universe. But, but it's, not a, it's not a personal divinity, or, it's, or, or there are many gods in the universe. But again, what separates us from every other belief system on the face of the planet is that we believe that Jesus Christ, the man who lived in Galilee some 2,000 years ago, is also fully God fully God the fullness of God dwells in him now some people would say well we believe that Jesus is divine but that he's only or that he wasn't human so you see we know the danger of diminishing the divinity of God but there's also danger in diminishing the humanity of God okay because if Jesus wasn't human you know that then his sacrifice on the cross really doesn't mean what it means to us Right? I mean, some people say, well, he was just God, but he just appeared to be human, right? He appeared to be human. So let me take you back a little bit, do a little school today. You guys want to, can you go back to school with me for just a little bit? Do you see why I got the chalkboard here? Who remembers the chalkboard? Come on, are you with me? You remember the chalkboard, right? Who, like me, had to go out and clap the erasers? Do you remember that? You remember clapping the erasers? Let's bring the chalkboard back, young people, man. None of this whiteboard stuff. Let's bring back the chalkboard. You know, give me asthma all over again. I mean, you know, the chalkboard was where it was. So that's why we're on the chalkboard this morning. So in the early centuries, right after the life of Christ, there were these people that developed this belief called docetism in the second century. And this heresy was coined from the Greek word dokesis, which means to seem. It taught that Jesus only appeared to have a body and was not truly incarnate, meaning God in the flesh. Docetists viewed matter as inherently evil and therefore rejected that God could appear in bodily form. So they denied the body. Everything about the body, everything in the physical is evil. So if that's evil, then, then God could not have assumed a human form or flesh. It, it, by denying Jesus truly had a body, they deny he suffered on the cross and rose from the dead. So you deny the work of Jesus Christ on the cross when you deny that he was human. This was attributed to the movement of the Gnostics and promoted by the Gospel of Peter. Quick side note as we're in class here today, right? Some of you remember years ago the book came out called the Da Vinci Code, and when the Da Vinci Code came out, it talked about other Gospels that are not in our Bible, and people would come to me and say, well, what about the Gospel of Thomas? What about the Gospel of Peter? What about these other Gospels? Well, the reason that they were not accepted, one of the reasons, excuse me, I don't have time to get into everything, but one of the reasons they weren't accepted was that they taught this heresy. They, they taught a form of this that Jesus wasn't really human, and the church said, no, we believe that Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. And so that's why we selected certain Gospels. And these other Gospels were also written much later, and they didn't seem to agree with the testimony of the people who were there, even though they claimed to be. They weren't really written by the people that were there that understood, that saw Jesus in the flesh and saw that he was indeed fully God and fully human. So let's journey on today, shall we? Let's begin with the first point, that Jesus is fully God. Where we read from today is the narrative of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And, and the story that we read was when Jesus was 12 years old. But just prior to that, Luke spends his time in the narrative talking about the birth of Jesus and therefore describing how unusual, unique, one of a kind it was to show that he was divine, to show that he was truly God. For you see, Jesus' birth was announced by an angel, Gabriel. Amen? How many of you had an angel come and announce that you were going to be pregnant? Well, I guess Kaysla did. But anyhow, you know, other than that, you know, I mean, a real-life angel, a real-life angel, you know. I mean, this, they said this child's going to be different. And not only that, Mary was a virgin. She had never known a man. So the Holy Spirit himself came upon her in a supernatural way so that Jesus would be unique. You would see that Jesus was divine. And when he was born, angels announced his birth to the shepherds. And when, they, when his parents brought him to the temple to present him, he had two prophets that came up, Simeon and Anna, and they said, this child is divine. This is the salvation of Israel and the light for the Gentiles to the rest of the world. I mean, this, this, this boy that was born is fully divine. And of course, Jesus confirmed his divinity by the miracles he performed, by the power that he exhibited, by the authority that he took over the temple and over the religious leaders. And of course, by his rising from the dead and ascending into heaven, the narrative tells us that Jesus was God. 
that he was fully God. Let me take you to one scripture this morning, and I just put up the reference there for you if you want to write it down or look at it later. But listen to this. This is what Pastor Angel mentioned in his sermon last week, and I want to take it just a step further and build on this passage. It says, The Son, or Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So if Jesus Christ created everything, then you better believe he's God. You better believe that he is fully God. And he is the head of the body of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. Amen and hallelujah. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ why we worship Jesus Christ. That's why he's glorified. That's why we say he's unique. That's why we say that he's different than all others. Because the fullness of God dwells in him. And of course, Jesus said this himself. He said that he and his Father in heaven were one. We are one. We are the same. He even went so far as to say, I am the I am. The holy name of God. And when Jesus claimed that he was God, people knew what he was talking about because they were ready to kill him. Because it's called blasphemy to claim that you are God when you are not God. But as the great philosopher and writer C.S. Lewis said, the fact that Jesus claimed to be God leaves us with only three options. He was either a liar or he was a lunatic or he was the Lord. Amen. He was either a liar or he was a lunatic or he was the Lord. For if a person, a person that we see in the flesh claims to be God... And I know none of you would put up with that if anybody you know claimed to be God. You'd be like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. But if a person claims to be God, they're either lying to you, they know that's not the truth, or they're a lunatic. I mean, that's what it means to be out of your mind. A lot of people out of their mind do claim to be Jesus Christ. I mean, you know that you believe it, but it is not true. Or the third option is, it's actually true. And only one time, once in a lifetime experience, one of a kind person, never to be repeated, unprecedented, unparalleled, Jesus was the only one who was fully God in human form. Amen? Amen. So, what does that mean for us? I believe that leads to two very important implications. One is that this, Jesus is the only one with the authority and ability to offer hope, salvation, and eternal life. Hear me clearly, friends. Jesus, because of the uniqueness of who he is, is the only one who has the authority and who has the ability to give us hope. We all want hope. We all want things to change. We want injustices to be made right. We want the world to be a better place. We want to flourish and prosper. We want to see people taken care of. We want to see things made right, right? We want that. We desire that. We put our hope into so many things, but our only hope is in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ alone. That he is the hope of the world. We want to be saved from ourselves, really. I want to be saved from myself every day. And then there are days when I want to be saved from some other people that are, you know, doing me wrong. I want to be saved all the time, but I want to be saved from my sins, which is myself. I want to be saved from Satan and the evil in the world, and I want to be saved from death. And the only way I can be saved is through Jesus Christ, because he is uniquely the one and only God and man. And the only way that I can receive eternal life is through Jesus Christ. There is no other name given under heaven by which women and men can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because he is unique. He is unique. He is one of a kind above all uniqueness. And then the second thing we need to understand as an implication of this is that Jesus Christ is worthy of our whole life worship. He is worthy of our whole life of worship to him because he is so unique, because he is God. If he is God, if he's the one who created all things and everything is created for him, then he is worthy of our worship, amen? And I was so blessed by what Pastor Angel shared on that last week about God being worthy of our worship and how important that is in our life. But the reason that we don't just worship God in a generic or general sense, but worship God through Jesus Christ is because he is the one and only. He is fully God. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. But we must also remember as we journey along that Jesus Christ was also fully human. Fully human. We cannot deny the humanity 
of Jesus Christ either because it's just as important to our understanding of the work that he did of who he was and our ability to have a relationship with him okay and the reason that I selected this story this morning of Jesus when he was 12 years old is because I believe it's a great story that shows the humanity of Jesus right it makes us think about all right Jesus wasn't just God who just came as, a, as an adult, right? He just showed up all grown and said, here I am, the Son of God, you know, and started doing his thing. No, he came as a baby. He came as a baby. Look, my visual aids right here. As a baby, that's what Jesus looked like. That means they had to change Jesus' diaper. Jesus had to be fed. Jesus had to grow. Jesus had to learn how to walk. The text says that Jennifer read that he grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in his mind and in his body. He grew. He grew. He didn't know everything. He set aside that divinity so that he could experience everything we experience. So he grew. He had to learn how to run. He went to school, friends. Can you imagine what Jesus was like in school? Do you think Jesus ever got in trouble? Well, not for anything he did wrong, but he probably did because he was in trouble with his parents in this story because he wandered off, right? Any of you ever wander off from your parents? Anybody ever lose a child? You know that panic that you feel? That's what I love about this story is like it's real, right? We can relate to that because we find a connection, right? We know that when we turn around in the store and our kids aren't there, right, something's about to go down. We start freaking out, right? We're like, where's my kid? Where are they going? And if you were like me or my friend Dan, you know, we were always hiding out in the clothes, you know, in the middle of the clothes rack. We'd like get in the middle and try to hide out and do all that kind of stuff because when you don't know where your kid is, you, you sense that panic. You sense that fear, right? And, and we know what Mary and Joseph went through because we all know that story, right? Because kids, what do kids do? They like to wander off. Sometimes kids go and they do their own things, right? When, when my oldest sons, uh, David and my other son, who remained nameless because he's here, when they were about 12 years old, sometimes we'd be coming home from something and we had to stop at a store. And you know how they are when they're 12 years old. They don't want to go into certain stores. They're like, oh, we don't want to go in the store. So they would say, let us stay in the car. We're like, all right, you're 12 years old. You can stay in the car. What happens is my wife and I would be shopping in Lowe's and all of a sudden this little head would peek around the corner. I was like, what? Who's that? that? What? And it was our kids. They thought it was a game. They'd sneak in after we went in the store, and they'd try to follow us and hide from us, and then sneak back to the car before we got back to the car, right? I mean, that's what kids do. Kids like to go off on their own. They like to explore. They like to think they're grown when they're not. Can I get an amen for that? Come on. They like to think they're grown when they're not. And here's Jesus. He's acting grown because, remember, in his culture, at 13, you know, he was considered to be an adult. When you had your bar mitzvah or about mitzvah, you know, I mean, there was a time, and again, it happened earlier back then, you know, so that Mary was maybe 15, 16, 17 when she was married, you know, so he was on the cusp of being an adult, you know, he was. But the parents, if you know that panic, the, the, it was a three-day journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem. His parents went every year for the Passover. This particular year, they got together with all their family and friends, and they traveled back because it was safer to travel that way instead of traveling alone. So we're in this huge caravan. They're thinking like I would have thought, oh, he's probably with auntie so-and-so. He's probably with cousin so-and-so. He's probably with his friends. That's where he is, you know. Where, but then they realize at the end of the first day of travel, nobody knows where Jesus is. Nobody can find him. They're like, where's Jesus? And can I get real for a minute? If you've been married, you know how that conversation went, right? I thought you knew where he was. No, I thought you were watching him. Don't tell me you lost the Son of God. Oh, you're going to go there, are you? Let me tell you this, right? <laughs> I mean, you know they was arguing. You know they had to travel a whole day back. So now there's a second day they got to travel back, and you know that wasn't a fun trip. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for grace in our lives because <laughs> we need it. And they get back to the city, and they spend another day, three days now. They spend a day searching for him, and finally they find him in the temple. And he's sitting down with the rabbis, and he's basically at like Sunday school, the Bible school. That's what they did. They would sit down with the rabbis, and the rabbis would test them to see if they could become a rabbi. And they test them by asking them questions. And I don't know if you caught this from the reading, but it says that Jesus was asking them questions, and they were impressed with his answers. Did you catch that? He was asking questions. You see, in our education, it's all about the answers, right? we got to learn the answers, memorize the answers. But in that education, it was about if I asked you a question— I wanted you to ask me another question, that challenge, that took it deeper, that I went deeper. So you'd go back question for question for question. And based on your ability to ask the right questions, they were impressed with the knowledge and the wisdom of this young man. But when his parents showed up, they were not so impressed. <laughs> they, they were not so impressed with their son because they're like, son, why did you do this to us? Why did you cause us this worry? Why did you cause us this grief? Son, why did you not let somebody know where you were? Son, why didn't you call us 
because cell phones aren't invented yet, Mom. Okay, I got that, all right? Another thing with my own kids, sometimes after junior high, they would go off to some other friend's house, and they wouldn't let us know where they were. And I'd be like, why can't you tell me where you are? And they say, Dad, because you won't let us get a cell phone until we're in high school. I'm like, good point, but you tell me every other buddy, person has a cell phone, so if you borrow one of theirs and call us up and let us know where you're at so that we know where you're at. And they say this to Jesus, and Jesus' response, Jesus' response is so amazing. He said, didn't you know where I was going to be? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the phrase could also mean, or about my father's business. Did you know that I had to be about my father's business? Did you know that I had to be in my father's house? Jesus was reminding them, you are my parents. You are my earthly parents. You are my birth mom, and you are my stepdad, and you are my parents. But I have a heavenly father. I'm unique. I'm different. I have earthly parents, but I have heavenly parents. And don't you know that I have to be in my father's house, and I have to be about my father's business? Don't you understand that? And Mary took these things into her heart, and she began to reflect on it, and she understood. But notice what Jesus did. Young people, notice this. He went home and was obedient to his earthly parents. He was obedient to his earthly parents. He submitted to their authority, right? And it says that he grew because of that, because he aligned himself with God, and because he did what his parents told him to do, he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and with other people as well. And we know that that's what we desire for each and every one of our children, isn't it? Let me read another verse that just talks about the humanity of Jesus from Philippians. And you'll pardon me just a minute while I get to it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus is fully human because he went through the growing process of humanity and he went to the cross to die for our sins. So the first implication that Jesus was fully human is this, that Jesus understands what we're going through. Jesus understands what you're going through. He knows what it's like to grow up. He knows what it's like to have issues with your parents. He knows what it's like to go through puberty. He knows what it's like to have friends that like him and friends that don't like him. I feel that Jesus experienced everything that we experience that says he went through every emotion, every situation that we go through. Because Jesus is fully human, we have a God who is not separated from us, but we have a God who can understand us and know intimately everything that we go through as humans because Jesus Christ is fully human. He emptied himself of his divinity. He set some of that God stuff aside so that he could limit himself to become one of us and to walk through life. And because of that, therefore, the second thing is this, we can follow his example. Because Jesus was fully human, he gave us an example that we can follow. It's something that we can do through the power that he gives us in our lives. So Jesus is fully God. He is so unique that he is fully God, which means he's the only one with the authority and ability to offer us hope and salvation and eternal life, and he is worthy of our entire life of worship. Jesus is fully human, meaning that he understands everything that we go through, and he is an example by which we can follow. And I noticed that what Jesus did, and this is what I want to talk about in our time left this morning, is following the example of Jesus, following both his life and his teachings, so that we can build our life upon God through the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because we see that that is what Jesus did. Jesus was setting his priorities. Jesus was building his life around the things of God, around the business of his Father in heaven. He said, I've got to be about the business of God. And it causes me to ask ourselves today, are we about the business of God? Are you about the business of God? Are you about your own business? Or God forbid, are you about somebody else's business? Stop being about somebody else's business because that ain't your business. And sometimes you think i got to be about my business, which is true. But what about being about God's business, right? I understand that sometimes you got to do you and I got to do me, but how about we do God? How about that for a minute? How about we stop trying to live someone else's life, stop trying to do it on our own, and we say, let me do it God's way. 
Let me build my life around God. Let me build my life around the things that God says are important. Let me build my life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. There is no other way to build our lives on God other than on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we can follow his example. He started early. He started young, young people. He was only 12 years old. It's never too early to build your life on God. It's never too early. You can decide now that I'm going to build my life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. It was 12 years old when I was baptized and publicly declared my faith in Jesus Christ. That prayer that I had prayed when I was a little kid and my Sunday school teacher said, fold your hands and ask Jesus into your heart. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But then when I was 12 years old, I said, I'll believe this for myself. And I was baptized in my church. It was 12 years old when I became a member of my church and I started volunteering. It was 13 years old when I volunteered to teach Vacation Bible School and I was the youngest teacher by far. And it was during those years that I took as my life verse, Matthew 6, that says, put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And God spoke to me and said, put my business first and I'll take care of your business. Amen. Oh, whoo. That's good, man. Somebody better be making memes so I can see them on social media later. <laughs> you know, God says, take care of my business first and I'll take care of all the business in your life. I'll do that. I began to follow God from that age. And friends, at the age of 18, at the age of 18, I began to minister in the church as one of the worship leaders and worship directors when I was 18 years old. And this September marks 30 years that I've been in ministry now, serving the Lord. So it's never too early. It's never too early. And I'm not ashamed of that. Everybody's got to go through what they got to go through. But I'm not ashamed to tell you that because if there's some young people here and maybe you've already been through some things, right, I'm going to tell you that it's never too early to decide you're going to build your life on God. Because it's going to benefit you. It's going to bring glory to God, right? You will grow in favor with God and with other people. And that's the most important thing. And can I say a little bit about that favor? Because this kind of sticks in my mind. When you start following God, and by the way, before I say this, let me say it's never, you're never too old to follow God. Hallelujah. You're never too old. There's no age limit. There's no expiration date when it comes to building your life on God. And some of you, it doesn't matter. You would say, oh, but I've already spent all my life doing this. It don't matter. Build your life on God today. Make a decision from this day forward to build your life on God. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. Now, here's the thing. You will always grow in favor with God. And oh, when you have God's favor, whoo, you don't need nothing else, right, beloved? You don't need nothing else when you have God's favor. Now, when you start building your life on God, People are going to notice, right? They're going to say, oh, this is a man of integrity, kind of like Daniel. You know, this is a man of integrity. We like the way he works. We like his spirit. He has an excellent spirit. As Pastor Angel said, you know, they like that at first, right? But the further you go with God, sometimes the favor of people begins to fall because they don't understand the levels that you're going to, right? So, but you will. In the beginning, you will experience favor, and you will, but you understand that there will come a time when it's really about the favor of God because even Jesus, they loved him. When he was 12, they loved him when he was 15 and 16. They loved him when he was a baby and he was cute and everybody could kiss him. But when he was 30 and he started speaking truth to them, they didn't know if they loved him so well in his hometown. That's the real, that's the whole story. That's the real story. He grew in favor with humans to this point, but he grew in favor with God and we can grow in favor with God for the rest of eternity. Amen. And that's what we should focus on is doing that. So build your life on God. Build your life on God. Make a decision, whatever age you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how middle you are, no matter how old you are, make a decision to build your life on God. And I believe you need three things in order to do this. Three things. Intentionality. I want to talk to you about being intentional in building your life upon God. But Pastor Angel already preached about it last week, so I don't have to say too much. Praise the Lord. You need to go back and listen to his message on the podcast if you didn't hear it. Daniel and the Lions then talking about being intentional, talking about how you have to make a decision, how you have to prioritize God in your life. And when I say build your life on God, I don't mean make a decision now. I mean make a decision every day. Every day make God a priority in your life. Come on, I don't think we're doing this. I don't think we're doing this enough. When I get frustrated, when I get depressed, when I get down, I know that I am not every day putting God first in my life. There's those days I want to take off from God and be like, ah, oh God, I'm just going to put you on the back burner for a minute because I want to take care of some other stuff, right? Or we've made idols in our life. Or we've put other things in front of God. But every day, why do you think that when the first Christians got together, they gathered on the first thing in the morning on the first day of the week to worship? That shows your priority of God in your life the rest of the week. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? 
Why, do we, why should we come to church on Sunday morning? Because we have to? Because it's legal? No, but it's one way of saying, God, you have priority in my life. Because you think about it, I would say most of the time, 90% of the time, whatever else you've got to do is not going to be hindered by the two hours that you spend the first thing on the first day of the week to prioritize God in your life. I am sure you will have enough time to do everything else that God gives you to do and that you want to do on top of it. Because God says, seek first my kingdom and I'll add all these other things into you as well. I'm not going to hold back from you. But I'm going to give to you, but you've got to prioritize God in your life. You've got to be intentional. You've got to say, I'm, so what are you doing every day to build your life on God? Some people start the day with prayer. Some people start the day with scripture reading. You know, whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to say, God, I'm going to be about your business today. And then the second thing is time. We've got to spend more time with God. We've got to spend more time with God. I'm just going to say it. We've got to spend more time with God. And it's not just that. I'm not talking that you need to quit or give up things. Although maybe you do need to quit or give up some things, right? Because whatever you give up for the sake of God, it ain't, don't, it's not going to be a loss, let me tell you. It's not going to be a loss at all. You'll get back so much more. You'll get back so much more. But I'm saying in addition to what you're doing, spend more time with God, why don't you bring God into what you're doing? You got to be on the road, you got to be driving, why don't you bring God into that time? You got to be at work, you got a moment at work, why don't you bring God into that time at work? You're in school, why don't you bring God into that? You're in a relationship, why don't you bring God into your relationship? So many people are like, oh, I got to give up this relationship, I got to give up this. I'm like, well, maybe you do, but maybe you just need to bring God into it first and let Him decide what you need to do with that relationship, right? Bring God into what you're doing. That's how we spend more time with God. That's how we spend more time with God. We bring him into everything that we're doing. We bring him into every moment of our day. And prayer is just simply talking to God. You, you don't have to be an expert in prayer. You don't have to get a certificate in prayer. You just need to know how to talk. Amen? Just need to know how to talk. And I'm not even talking out loud. You just got to know how to talk to God in your mind. Just open up a conversation with him. Be intentional. Take time. And then the last thing that I want to focus on is obedience. Because we need to obey what Jesus showed us to do and what he says we should do. So if we want to build our life on God and we want to know what God's plan is for our life, you don't ask Drake what God's plan is for your life. <laughs> you ask Jesus Christ what's God's plan for your life, all right? I'm sorry, but Drake is not going to tell you what God's plan is for your life. Because right now he's got people out dancing on the street getting hit by cars. I don't know what that nonsense is, all right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, just praise the Lord that you don't. But you don't want to know God's plans from Drake. You want to know God's plan from Jesus Christ. You want to know what Jesus Christ says because he'll show you God's plan. He'll tell you what God's plan is. He will tell you what you need to do to obey Jesus Christ. So let's walk through some of these things that if we want to build our life upon God, if we're going to make a decision, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prioritize it. I'm going to give my time to it. I'm going to bring, bring in God to what I'm doing, then what do we need to do? What does it look like? And here's what it looks like. The very first thing is to take care of the poor. It's the very first thing Jesus said. I don't know what churches have been doing telling people this or that or the other. But sometimes I hear more about how you dress and how you talk and how you look and what you do and what you don't do rather than are you taking care of the poor. Jesus said it first off in his very first sermon. He said, take care of the poor. I've come to preach good news to the poor. It's talked about over and over and over again in Scripture. And then he says, feed the hungry. Feed the hungry. Take care of those who are hungry. And then Jesus said, they need to help those who are sick. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for healing. Help them. Give them meals. Clean their house. Take care of those who are sick. And then this one. Care for the people in prison. And I want to say today, friends, that not just when they're in prison, but when they get out of prison. Care for them. We need to care for those people. That's what Jesus called us to do. You want to build your life upon God, this is a pretty good place to start. In fact, this is a real good place to start. Start doing these things. Start obeying Jesus Christ. Start saying, God, I will make these things a priority in my life. And when I don't understand everything related to these issues, I will commit myself to learn what I can and how you can guide me, God, to do what is needed to help those who are the least, to help those who are marginalized, to help those who are hurting, to help those who've been left out, to help those who are being oppressed, to help those who are being abused, to help those who are being killed, to help those who are being exploited, to help those who are being made slaves. There is many ways that we treat people 
with a criminal record worse than we've treated anybody else ever in the history of our world. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. You want to build your life upon God. You want to follow my example. Here are the things you need to do. Let me give you a few more, friends, if I may, this morning. You need to pray constantly. You want to build your life on God? Pray constantly. Like I said earlier, just start talking to God. Just start talking to God. Start listening to God. Start spending time in meditation. Wherever, whenever you can, you need to get away and spend time in prayer with God. And again, if you want some more encouragement about that, go back to last week's sermon. Hallelujah. You want to give generously. Want to build your life on God, give generously. Why? Because everything that you've been given, God's given to you. God uses you to give and help others. And I'm talking about your time, your talent, and your treasure. I'm talking about, yes, you need to give your time generously. You need to not hold all your time to yourself, right? But you need to be able to give your time knowing that it will come back to you, right? You need to give of your talents. If God has given you a gift, God has given you a skill, have you given it to the Lord? Have you used that skill to build your life upon God, to do what God wants you to do? And then your treasure, you know, whether it be your money or your wealth or whatever form that is for you, we need to give to God, not because we have to, but because it shows that God is a priority in our life life that God is a priority in our finances that we say God and when we give when we give I say as the pastor of this church I want you to give confidently by the grace of God that we are doing all of these things that we are taking care of people and providing for people and helping that's what we're doing together as the church you need to pray constantly you need to give generously you need to rest regularly not enough Christians are resting And I don't know what I can get you to do to rest. It's like, why don't you just sit down and take it easy, right? Why do we have such a hard time doing that, right? Because we think it's lazy or we think, you know, it's not, that's not what we should do or we don't have time to do that. You have time to do it. God rested on the seventh day. God did everything he needed to do in six days and then he took the seventh day off and he said, I'm going to rest. And what does rest mean? To enjoy God and all that he has created. You need to enjoy God, friends. You need to, even Jesus didn't teach and heal all the time. Sometimes he went by himself to pray. Sometimes he went down in the bottom of the boat to take a nap. Hallelujah. If Jesus took a nap, follow his example. Take a nap every once in a while. Listen, you'll feel better. The people around you will feel better. Hallelujah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? You're going to rest in the Lord. Enjoy. And it doesn't mean just to sleep or rest. It means to enjoy what God has created. I believe that Jesus and the people that followed him, they went out fishing. They went out fishing because they needed to enjoy the the friendships they had, to enjoy what God had created, to just enjoy life. And you need to do it on a regular basis. What I try to do in my life, and you can do it any way God leads you in your life, is that every seven days I take a day off and I just try to enjoy God and what he has created. And then every seven weeks I take two to three days off, and every seven months I take a whole week off. When I'm not in that rhythm, I begin to feel the drain. I begin to feel the pressure. I begin to feel the burnout, right? And so whatever way that works out for you, on a regular basis, take your rest, right? Take your rest. You know what I believe God's gift to rest is? And I'm going to try not to preach too much because i got a sermon on this coming up in a couple weeks, all right? But I think here in New England, when we have a snow day, that's God telling you to take a day off because you guys aren't doing it. And then you're forced to, right? Then you got the best excuse in the world. I can't come in the roads, right? <laughs> How many of you love that excuse? You're like, I can't come in the roads. And they're like, hey, man, you just stay at home. Right? But don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Enjoy what God has given you, the time to do things that you love to do, to just enjoy life. Pray constantly, give generously, rest regularly, and finally, forgive freely. Forgive freely. The Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. Because God forgave you of your sins, you need to forgive others of their sins. And in doing so, participate in the healing of relationships. You want to build your life on God, you need to be a person of forgiveness. You need to forgive people. Because Jesus forgave you. And he didn't require anything of you to do it. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, forgive them, God, for they don't even know what they're doing. And friends, my testimony is most of my life, I need to be forgiven because I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how much I'm hurting myself or hurting other people. I am unaware, but God forgives me. God reveals truth to me so that as I become aware, I can be healed. But I'm healed through that awareness and I'm healed through that forgiveness that comes to me freely from Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean it didn't cost anything. He paid the price. He paid the price of his blood on the cross. He's the one who made the sacrifice. He offers forgiveness freely to us so that we can turn around and forgive others. Friends, do you have any, any bitterness, any hatred? feeling some kind of way in your heart about someone this morning. Build your life on God by forgiving them freely. 
Build your life on God by resting regularly, by giving generously of whatever God has given to you, by praying constantly, by caring for those who are in prison, for those who are sick, feeding those who are hungry and taking care of the poor. This is just the place to begin, hallelujah. Just the place to begin. And all you need to do is pick one of these things and just begin right there. Just begin right there. Because as we begin, as we take that first step, it can build and build, right? Jesus had to grow. Jesus had to go through the process. Jesus didn't have everything all together the minute he came because he came as a baby. So if Jesus had to grow into it, we can grow into it as well. We don't have to have everything together in one year, in two years, in three years. Even Jesus took 30 years before he was ready to enter into the fullness of God's purposes for his life. Right? Stay in the process. Trust God in the process. Take it step by step and just begin wherever God leads you. Amen? Amen. Wherever God may lead you. That's God's plan for your life. As we close this morning, I wanted to invite us to sing and to reflect on a, on a song that I believe summarizes what I've been talking about this morning. The song is called Build My Life. And as is true of our lives, it begins in worship. It begins in worship by setting God first, that Jesus is fully God. And we set our worship on him and it ends in obedience. Because Jesus was fully human, we can follow his example. We can obey him and build our life upon him. But it says, worthy of every song we could sing, worthy of every praise, worthy of every breath, we worship you, Jesus. It says, Jesus, the name above every other name. It's a one-of-a-kind name. It's a one and only name. It's unique among all the names of the world. The only one who could ever save. Friends, if you need to be saved today, if you need to receive salvation and forgiveness in Jesus in your heart, it's only through Jesus Christ. And I invite you today to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, and I will build my life on you. Amen? Let me say that again because some of you are going to get an opportunity in the moment to pray that. And you're going to say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, and I will build my life upon you. And then, of course, that's what the, the bridge of the song says. I will build my life upon your love, Jesus, a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. Amen. Let's pray, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you this morning because you are worthy of all of our praise. Lord, and as many as possible this morning, I pray that we would make a commitment to build our lives upon you, God. To build our lives on the one foundation of your love for us, expressed through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And I want to give you that opportunity that I said just a moment ago. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you have not received salvation, then pray this prayer quietly right after me. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Say, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. I will build my life upon you.